going to bring us back on topic. Uh, my roommate, Josh, said that the documentary about Sam Cooke on Netflix is really good. Okay. The musician. He said, he said they get a lot of good interviews and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Sam, who's Sam Cooke? He was a African-American singer. Um, I don't what? know. 50s and 60s, probably. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of he did school. a so. dumbass payphone, trying to find a payphone, being on a payphone, talking on a payphone. <laughs> Look at me, I'm payphone. Should have just asked Wes. He's so good at these. He's so good at that's one of his the, the fake, uh, the fake, like <laughs> you just have an entire like alternate world of uh, pop culture just like stuck in your subconscious. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I won't even get into it. You guys need to see us because that movie was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Odd Splice. That's uh, your three your three favorite boys are back in town. Uh, the what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves the Killer Bees in the group chat where we plan these things slash, you know, hang out outside of podcasting. Um, but you know me. I, I'm Josh. Josh, who are you talking to? God. There's nobody here. You can forget you ever heard that we call ourselves the <laughs> <laughs> by the way. That's, nobody needs to know that. <laughs> nah, man. I'm, I'm trying to plant seeds for the fan art here. Oh, okay. Like, What's how do you explain it? Uh, if anybody draws me or us as a bee, uh, they are, they're just in for a world of hurt. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing you said earlier. Oh, we, oh, so when we were all in grade school, uh, a teacher came up to, a grade school teacher came up to us, and they were like, what, what are you guys, you guys are the coolest grade schoolers I've ever met, and I, I love you, and I wish that you were a rock band, what do you, what do you even call yourselves? And we were like, the Killer Bees, to the tune of the Aristocrats. <laughs> and that's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, um, so. Isn't that weird it happened? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, there's, there's not. years ago. There's not a significant age difference between any of us <laughs> at all. That would render that scenario implausible. In fact, I mean, that's what I remember. Uh, you know, we definitely grew up in the same state. And, uh. <laughs> Anyway, it's Josh, Wes, and Caleb. We're back here with your odd splice. Uh, That's right. Yeah. We've got uh, a special announcement this week. Yeah, we've got announcements, man. Um, so in uh, trying to keep these these eps as dank as possible, we're kind of scaling back production a little bit. So you can look forward to episodes, what we've called the real episodes, the numbered ones so far, uh, coming around like every three or four weeks, so basically monthly, just so... Uh, we can actually preserve our friendship outside of podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> Not, good. Uh, um, Sometimes we just yeah. gotta get dinner. Sometimes, right. and sometimes just, it's good not to yell at each other about movies. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so those will be, yeah, every month. Um, I know uh, I'll still be doing stuff in the sort of intervening time, so hopefully you like just me and whoever I decide to bring on. Sometimes it might be Wes, sometimes it might be Caleb, but... And but never both. Right. <laughs> 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 never, both of us. Because, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, Wes is definitely not a an old JVC dictaphone I found in a sewer grate somewhere. <laughs> He's definitely not AI. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Did you say he's definitely not a pie? 
<laughs> click. <laughs> click, click, click. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the schedule going here on out. Uh, yeah. Even even as as a, a a threesome, as it were, we are looking to have some extra special guests uh, in were. the future. <laughs> in the future, um, so that'll be good. Uh, so besides that, uh, we have another special announcement. <laughs> That's what I meant the first time I said it, but it set you up perfectly, so I let it go. <laughs> <laughs> but we can cut this if we want to. But uh, Wes quit his job today. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I yeah. quit my job. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> moving on to uh, Marina Pastures. I've left a call center where I uh, was a little bit underappreciated for my job for a call center where I might be a little bit underappreciated for my job. Sounds like a big change. It's it's going to be big, and uh, more than that, it's going to be gnarly. Well, Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're pumped. But we're, we're happy for Wes making moves in his life again. He is not an old JVC dictaphone. Again. That we found. And we more than that, it's going to be gnarly. <laughs> <laughs> more than that, it's going to be gnarly. <laughs> more than that, it's going to be gnarly. Cut, cut, take the batteries out. It's not <laughs> worth We got to. We'll, we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> um, yeah, and then uh, before we get into the episodes, uh, since we always forget to plug all the social media stuff, uh, Find us on Twitter at Odd Splice. Uh, yes. Search Odd Splice podcast. We're all, we got a, we got a Facebook page. Uh, if you want to like um, email abuse to us, uh, Odd Splice at gmail dot or Odd Splice Pod at gmail dot com. Uh, if you submit there, I will definitely read those letters on air. So yeah, some if incentive. You, if you email us abuse, and it's pretty good, I personally will make a YouTube video <laughs> where I where I read it and I take it to heart. And <laughs> the good self crit stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are those. Um, outside of that, uh, hey, um, rate and review us on iTunes and stuff oh, yeah. uh, so we can get more people listening because that helps. I mean, we're not expecting to climb the charts or anything, but, you know, it would be nice. Um, yeah, so that's all the business out of the way. So our theme uh, this, uh, this time is Good Denzel. Ooh. Uh, good Denzel. So me and me and Caleb uh, brought a couple different uh, movies starring uh, Mr. Denzel Washington uh, to sort of duke it out it in this thing. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got super abstract with it. <laughs> uh, Just did like Black Klansman because his kids in it or something. Oh, Denzel's kid is. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Um, no, these so, definitely have Denzel Washington in them. In yeah. a stunning twist, um, both of our contenders have chosen the Matrix Revolution. So, <laughs> I don't really support it myself, but this is where we are, and it's kind this of a, is happening. Yeah, Denzel kind of has like a minor role. You don't really, he's not really seen on camera. Yeah. Got one. Oh, now you're just mistaking uh, Dr. Cornell West for Denzel Washington. Oh wow, I wasn't even. No, I was yeah. being silly. Yeah. No, I know you were. <laughs> I was just saying that. Dr. Cornell West is in. Oh my God! Questlove and, and W. Kamau Bell. W. Kamau Bell and Cornell West, all the same guy. Yeah. 
And then speaking of W. Kamau Bell, he had a podcast that was just called Denzel Washington is the best damn actor ever, period, or something like that. Yeah, I went through it. <laughs> Where they went through all of them. So, in that. Uh, um, Denzel Washington, we, we appreciate that you listen to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have a busy schedule. We really think highly of you. If you would like to come on the podcast, uh, it only we can schedule you within the next six to eight months. Probably. Yeah. God, it would mean a lot to us. <laughs> Send us an email, hit us up on social media, and then yeah. uh, we'll be back to you within a week or two. DM, DMs are open. Uh, <laughs> Alright, so good Denzel. Um, I guess, yeah, let's get into the picks here. Uh, who, who, what, what are you bring to the table this week? Oh man, how much, do you want, want to, how much do you want me to say about this movie right now? Just introduce it, or get into it? Uh, maybe not get... What, yeah, introduce it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm bringing Fences, a 2016 film starring none other than Denzel Washington and co-starring Viola Davis. Dylan, you and I saw this movie in theaters. Was that in 2016? It must have been, Wes. I have a hard time believing that was three years ago. I do, too. And it makes me feel like I'm going crazy. Well, was that... Man, that's about when I I came to this this shining bird and... uh, disrupted your friendship what once our our friendship was a beautiful was a was a virginic angel <laughs> josh came along with his grubby mitts <laughs> and he looked on us and we were stained stained you don't understand what Wes and i had was pure. <laughs> we could have worn white to that way i am the defiler <laughs> <laughs> Everything would have been great. We were just, we were just going to movies back then. <laughs> but then Josh has to come in and uh, make you say things about them on tape. <laughs> I my internet's not working to find the release date, but it it was two thousand. It was sometime in two thousand sixteen. Yeah. And so a quick synopsis or just a description of Fences is that it's based on a play by August Wilson. Um, 1985 play by the American playwright August Wilson, set in the 1950s, but it was part of Wilson's 10-part Pittsburgh cycle. He wrote oh, 10 yeah. plays about Pit- based in Pittsburgh or about Pittsburgh, and um, Fences was one of them. Um, Fences is, to, to my knowledge, the most prolific. I, I could be wrong about that. Like the most well-known? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also wrote Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Piano Lesson, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, but yeah, Fences might be the one he's most known for. So it's based on that um, beautiful film. That's all I'll say about it right now. Cool. Uh, so my pick, my pick for this uh, for this theme was uh, Man on Fire, uh, the two thousand three Tony Scott film uh, starring Denzel, Dakota Fanning, Radha Mitchell, Mickey Rourke, Christopher Walken. <laughs> They're all starring. They're all starring. Uh, Mark Anthony. Yeah, that's that's it. It's loaded. Bunch of people. Uh and and that one's about a burnt out special ops guy taking a job with a wealthy family in Mexico City, uh, to be the bodyguard for their young daughter. Uh and then she gets kidnapped and killed and then he goes on a massive revenge spree and it's super badass and I love this movie so much. Uh I mean that's sort of the 
there are twists in there. I'm, um, I'm gonna jump in because that's sort of how Man on Fire was billed uh, before I watched it, and I would contend, Josh, that the that descriptor makes it seem like a version of Taken, maybe a preemptor of Taken, where yeah. I would argue Man on Fire is the exact opposite of Taken. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, completely, completely. Uh, well, um, just. To give a like sort of cryptic taste of what that movie actually is, uh, I read a review of The Passion of the Christ a long time ago that said Man on Fire was a better example of God's love than Passion of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're not wrong. Um, how is how is it not like Taken though? Uh, Taken is all about visceral gratuity. It's all it's, about uh, pay, paying off the the desire for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no price. There's no reckoning with his actions. Like, yeah, like John Creasy, Denzel, like accepts, like the price of everything well, he's done. That's, that's a good point. Just the way that's a good point. The way yeah. it's filmed, Taken is ten minutes of exposition and uh, and <laughs> an hour and ten minutes of violence. Yeah. Yep. Whereas so, Man yeah. on Fire is an hour and a half of exposition and an hour and a half of like. Calculated, yeah. Off screen, like you see violence. Uh, it cuts away. The car torture scenes, <laughs> which is way less graphic than you think it is. They never that's do. True. They that's never true. do a gross cut off the finger, and that's the uh, that's what I was thinking yeah. of as like the most graphic. But you they never, show it from outside the window. They, they right. Do, yeah. They don't stick a prosthetic finger on him and, and cut it off as they right. do. They they trust your imagination and they trust that you will like in, inform yourself of how gnarly. That's true, and that yeah. does allow for like emotional depth yeah, in yeah. a way too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's safe to say we like. I think everybody really enjoyed both of these movies, so this yeah. might be a really interesting. I, I have a few. I have a few few uh, curveballs to throw at fences, but uh, ooh, baseball analogy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. So let's get into some similarities. Uh, uh shouldn't we defend our? Talk about oh, yeah. the theme or like why we okay so why we what it meant to us yeah yeah go go for okay because I've got a lot to say about this right. <laughs> so the theme was good Denzel and when I was first when we first picked it at the end of the last episode Josh West and I all immediately assumed I was picking Remember the Titans <laughs> yep. myself included yep. yep but I wanted to sleep on it after we finished recording we were talking about it some more and I was like yeah I'm probably gonna do Remember the Titans but we one we'd already talked about it on. Um, well, we should we should do full disclosure here. When Caleb was uh, 16, 17, Caleb was ri- Caleb was bitten by a radioactive. Remember the Titans. When he was sixteen or seventeen years old, and he developed all the football, all of his superpowers of Remember the Titans. Uh, and it's you know it's been difficult for him to blend into modern society because he's chosen not to be a superhero, not to try to uh, make his life greater than or more meaningful than of a normal. Person, but he does have all of the accumulated powers and responsibilities of a Remember the Titans. And so it's he, he walks this fine dichotomy, and I think we all really respect that about him. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes down to Denzel Washington movies, we all just assume, you know, in the same way that, hey, Spider-Man, what's your favorite arachnid? This is, this is kind of a, hey, Caleb, what's your favorite Denzel Washington? And, and, but, so like when he throws the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's part of his blood, but when he throws us these curveballs, it's it's all, it's kind of refreshing. We I think we all appreciated this call here. <laughs> Good. 
Yeah, so all that to say, what Wes is really trying to get at there is that these guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about Rumor of the Titans. I'm tired of thinking about it myself. <laughs> I've watched that movie so many times, and it's worth talking about. But honestly, I yeah. woke up the next day, looked up his IMDb, and was like, I can't believe I forgot Fences was came out three years ago. And so honestly, Fences, I think, is actually best Denzel. So when I thought about good, good Denzel, I thought about yeah. what's the best Denzel performance, not when is Denzel right. a good guy. I mean, we can talk, I don't know yeah. if there's much nuance there. But. I, don't, I mean, because I, I think I took a similar tack. Like, I think we could do a third uh, Denzel part, which is Righteous Denzel, where yeah. we, like, pick his, like, most morally upright performances, because, like, sure. both of these are, like, insanely good and they operate in like shades of gray yeah um definitely that's a good yeah. point so real quick i think it's the best denzel performance in my opinion um i also think it's the best denzel movie i've seen and and i know we'll get into that josh um and he directed this film too so yeah. not only did he perform it he directed it yeah. on top of that to quantify it this is probably the most lines he had in the film. Um, Fences, he is talking nonstop, and so that's all those things. Kind of the point of Fences yeah. is that this this character is talking nonstop. Yeah, right. this yeah. character and it's a play, so like there's just so much yeah. dialogue, and then um, I think it also gives a pretty wide breadth of emotion for Denzel. And in some of his films, like even Remember the Titans, he, he can get kind of one track minded sometimes in his acting, yeah. where he comes off just as like the authoritarian or just as the and I think Man on Fire also does that, though, allows for yeah. a lot of breath. So those are all my thoughts. Okay, nice. Yeah, um, so I picked Man on Fire mostly because, like, I think it is straight up my favorite Denzel Washington movie. Uh, I've, I've lived with it for a long time. Uh, uh, Josh uh, has uh, Man on Fire syndrome. Yeah. Uh, he was diagnosed at a young age, and it's been, you know, it's not easy. Uh, doing um, uh, 
good good things while being a not great man in in the movie. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's an interesting movie because you could cut out all of the scenes that don't have Denzel Washington in them and still know and you and it would actually still be a complete movie. Or I think you could also cut out all of the scenes with Denzel Washington <laughs> in them and it would still be a complete <laughs> movie. <laughs> But I know the first one for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, because it was like, uh, you know, it was at the beginning of, like, Dakota Fanning's whole thing, so... Is that what it is? Is that the little girl? Yeah, yeah. We gotta come come back to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, that's why I picked Man on Fire. My my favorite and excellent use of the man as a presence, uh, as a kinetic force. Um, Very good Denzel. Very good Denzel. Um, yeah, so what do you want? Do we want to get into some similarities here? Yeah, I got two that I want to make sure I want to hit. And we're already talking about his character. Yeah. Really, I wanted to talk about the similarities and differences between his character and then also the cinematography. Mm-hmm. But we should start maybe with him as a character in the mm-hmm. film. Um, are there similarities, actually? I, actually, there are. I think, yeah, at a. Yeah, I think I think there really are because I, I watched both of these uh, like just back to back earlier today. Um, nice. So I mean, yeah, they're uh, Troy Maxim and John Creasy are two very different people, um, but they're uh, I don't, they're haunted men. They're mm-hmm. imperfect men, um, mm-hmm. and like where fences isn't directly. Uh, isn't directly concerned with Troy Maxim's redemption. Right. Uh, uh, it's more about, like, showing you, like, just the full complexity of that person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, Man on Fire is about John Creasy's redemption and, like, acknowledgement of his sins. <laughs> Honestly, I would push back. I think haunting is a good term that yeah. actually encapsulates both characters really well. I think a lot yeah. of scenes in Fences you could look at through the lens of Denzel, Troy Maxson, Denzel's yeah. character, being haunted. The, the baseball oh, yeah. bat and the baseball in the backyard. Um, all the times he's, he's embellishing stories from when he met um, Rose. Rose or yeah. when he's, or, you know. Uh, especially that, that extended monologue where he's talking about his dad. Yeah. Is, oh man. Oh um, my God. Like, so, I mean, and then, I mean, I guess it, oh, it's a difference so tempting I want to touch on it now, but, like, John Creasy, man of very few words, man of action, yeah. Troy Maxson, just a blabbermouth. That's the di- that's yeah. where I think we should yeah. talk about the similarities and differences. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all a, a big that stew. That is fascinating <laughs> to see Denzel in Man on Fire as yeah. somebody who doesn't talk much. And, and who so clearly doesn't want to. He's never biting back words. He, he's, he's always oh my God. The, uh, upset. He, he, he would rather be not speaking. That, uh, that that mm-hmm. scene where uh, the the mother's like you read the Bible and he's like yeah sometimes does it help yeah sometimes yeah. <laughs> like just <laughs> yeah how do you think the bird got out I let it go he he never tells a lie he's not he's he's in no way right. a, a con man or like that that scene where he's first driving to meet uh, when he comes so cheap I drink, I drink. <laughs> yeah how does that affect you uh, slows down reaction time. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, tells him exactly yeah, what like is. top professionals come for your daughter. I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I'm telling you right now. 
Yeah, but. and I think the part that sets him up really well in Man on Fire is the conversation with Christopher Walken's character when they're first reconnecting oh, okay. in Mexico, and he says, do you think God will, God will forgive us for what we've done? Like, that sets up yeah. the movie, but especially his character. Well, and then Christopher Walken's just like, no. No. <laughs> no. And you can tell both of them already felt that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, the movie, that movie does an excellent job of not disguising exposition. It actually, it does an excellent job of not disguising anything. It, you always know when it's an exposition scene, and you, you kind of get what you pay for there. The, the movie's like, here's exposition. Yeah. You know what's going on, and it's right. it's cheeky yeah. enough that it, it, it doesn't seem pandering or wrong at all. Yeah, it's just yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Man on Fire for being billed as like this, uh, you know, high octane action movie is very deliberately p- paced. It's a two and a half hour movie, and yeah. again, that first hour is just establishing the relationship you're, between Denzel it's like hour 15. and yeah. yeah. You're you're halfway through the movie before right. it, it's happening. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or, or at least before he like wakes up from the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really do invest time in you getting to know him as a character who is beaten down, um, pretty much despondent, given up in a lot of ways, and doesn't really want to do, you know, doesn't believe himself to even be capable of doing a good job in this role. And then slowly his heart opening up to Dakota Fanning's character. So yeah, if, we, it's, if we can do critiques, I would say way too much time <laughs> uh, my so I have a few things to say about Man on Fire uh, that are just sort of like general uh, praise and criticism mm-hmm. one it's too long uh, that's I don't think I need to go on about that anymore if you've seen <laughs> it you, you agree or disagree you're and, and you, you won't be swayed either way uh, two it's one of the most confident movies watch this movie and take several leaves out of out of its table take take several lessons from it on yeah. how to make a movie unabashedly because it's like dude that's this oh. movie loves being it just never stops it's like oh, oh my god we're so through the narrative are we do- oh we're not done <laughs> <laughs> and it, yeah this isn't a critique because it revels in it it it's like if you don't like this movie turn it off because this movie is this movie in all of its like huge two and a half hours glory can can we come back to this in like 10 minutes because i want to talk about the cinematography in that thing and like i really want to pick josh's brain about that oh yeah but i want to compare denzel's character to fences real quick sorry no 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 no, pause no like i feel like that leads into like let's talk more like meta about the Mm -hmm. the way the films were produced yeah um which i think that's i think that's where my like big critique of fences will cool. come in yeah so, so i think that but yeah perfect. set me up dog but but <laughs> compared to denzel's character in so so john creasy compared to troy maxson john creasy we're saying is is unabashed in his he's honest and mm-hmm. he is transparent and kind of given up but um i would say like humbled in a way too like he kind of knows what he's worth knows his value in, in a way like he's yeah not, he's not trying to give you a shiny whatever those phrases are yeah yeah he's not trying to like shine up he's, a, he's not selling he's anything. not he's not polishing his turd you know right right but troy maxson loves his turd <laughs> yeah can we talk about the turd scene for just one second 
where she's like, why, why is, why did my husband pay so little for you? And he's like, I collect my turds in a box and I polish them for yeah. hours. And she's like, that's horrifying. I don't want you to work at my house next to my small daughter. And he's like, no, listen, this is my only thing. And otherwise I'm super good. And oh, she's and like, I right. drink. She's like, yeah, well, you have, did you, do you, are you, you're, you don't do drugs or drink or anything? He's like, oh no, I drink. She's like, so you have two things. And he's like, I don't consider drinking a weakness and she's like well that sounds like you're an alcoholic that you would you'd push back on me for this that you know you, you are you you're telling me you drink to excess every day and you polish your turds but you're not an alcoholic and he's like well don't combine these you're combining two things you're I, yes i i polish my turds and yes i drink to excess every day but that's not if i didn't do one i would still do the other and i don't think that it's fair to make it seem like you know you're creating a rounded aspect of a person when there's there's a lot of nuance here that you're glossing over, you're yes, glossing West, over West, it. West. He says West. in the movie. They, they can, watch, they can watch the movie. Reading the yeah. script. The listeners can watch the movie. <laughs> we, remember, we've been over this. <laughs> we, the listeners can watch the movie. All right, yeah. all right. read the script. It's in there. <laughs> I can never make that up. <laughs> and there's all right. Let's run to another couple. <laughs> All right, so uh, so compared to that character yeah. who's humble and transparent and honest, yeah, Troy Maxson is boisterous and loud, a just, blabbermouth, just a major league bullshitter. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and it's part of his appeal. You yeah. know, you see it from the very beginning of the movie that his wife and his best friend love it. Like that's part of what they love about him, the way he can tell a good story. And I think that's a it's like a beautiful you know portrayal of like community and like what it means to be in in friendship and just like he brings life he brings a spark of creativity yeah Yeah. and it's such a snapshot of like like a certain era or certain type of like character you know like we we all know we all know people like that we all know like that family member that person who never stops talking and 50 percent of the time you hate them because they're they won't shut up but the other 50 percent of the time you love them because they're just saying funny shit or they're just they're keeping the life of the party going so he's all those things, but it's a it's quite a contrast from um, from Creasy and like interesting to see Denzel do both really well yeah, and, yeah. and differently. Um, so that, yeah, I thought that contrast was really interesting. Do do we want to transition to the cinematography? Oh, not, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> right. Um. So I don't. Yeah, Man on Fire is like very frenetically cut. <laughs> um, a lot of like double exposures oh and like strobe God. effects like uh like so i mean it's tony scott like just pushing the boundaries of like a style he helped found right so he was doing like top gun in the 80s like he was the if we didn't have tony scott we weren't gonna get michael bay in the early 90s and wow. then tony scott like what would we do without michael bay really that's true if michael bay had a pretty big <laughs> impact on Action filmmaking for better and worse. Uh, the Rock becoming a tourist attraction. <laughs> the Rock fucking owns, and I think we can all agree on that. Um, so it's like, yeah, Tony Scott like coming back in on a style he founded in the early two thousands and just like pushing it to its limits. So between like, um, I'd say like the like his late stage career, like the movies he did around then that really like went all in on that particular style. Man on Fire was I think the first. Spy Game might have done it a little bit, but I don't remember that one being as frenetic. And then like Domino, the one he did after Man on Fire, oh, wow. is like 
it's a acid it's just straight up acid trip it's it's a fever dream it's hypnotic it's great i love domino <laughs> um so yeah a lot of that but i mean it's more yeah at the same time more deliberately paced than a michael bay movie would be like it, it's more confident in um a lot of ways uh yeah there's that and then uh so i guess i'll bring up my beef with fences it's not a movie whoa 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 you don't get to come at me without me first talking about the cinematography. Yeah. You don't get to, like, wax eloquent about, <laughs> what's his name, fucking Scott. Tony Scott. Tony Scott. Rest and in then, peace, Tony Scott. And then come over and take shots at Denzel and <laughs> so Viola Davis. Uh-uh. Let me I'm not, not I am not taking shots at Fred. Well, okay, me, I am me, taking a shot at Denzel. Let but. me bring up my beef with Tony Scott. <laughs> Tony Scott's had the Iron Man suit for almost 10 years. He's, he's living in a world where he could just about control reality <laughs> if he would just put his funds and put his technology to good. proper use. But right. he's so excited about quipping. He's so addicted to this company called Smart Quips, a, a, a company that produces basically post-it notes wherein you can write, they're just post-it notes where you can write quips on the post-it note and it looks like a thought bubble. Wait, you, you can think post about- it on somebody's head or you can post it on like a doorway so that as somebody walks through it, it looks like they're saying that thing that's written in the in the smart quip. Well, I'm not tr- this isn't an advertisement. <laughs> I'm not trying to. I think you're thinking of Tony Post It. I'm I'm so sorry, everybody out there. I'm, <laughs> I, I was thinking of Tony Post It. All right, the superhero so, that the, yeah, the billionaire post-it note based superhero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I. There's a couple. There's only a few things I get really passionate about, and one of them is post-it note-based superheroes. And, <laughs> and I, I, I'm just really sorry. I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt the podcast like that. Josh, cut me out. Cut me out. Right. <laughs> cut me out from the beginning upwards. Just excise me like a tumor because I cannot come back from this shame. All, all right. So, all right. so. Cinematography. Cinematography. Let me fucking defend the film before you just tear it apart. What the hell? When did we decide we had a I'm business sorry, meeting about this podcast? And nowhere in the business notes, in the meeting notes, the the minutes of our meeting the is minutes. there. Josh Christensen decides and agrees and is agreed with by Wes and Caleb that Josh gets to attack film before film is defended. Nowhere was that. Okay. So, let me fucking talk about the beautiful cinematography. Um, The movie-going experience of Fences is something I won't forget for a long time. Wes and I got to see it in theaters, and it's probably one of the best films that I could have chosen to get to watch with Wes, being a theater guy, being Mm -hmm. somebody who acted all through college, was on stage all the time, is intimately familiar with the inner workings of how plays get made and how how they're produced and like seeing it on screen felt like we were watching a play and leaving the theater felt like we just had front row seats to a Denzel Washington and Viola Davis play and what more can you ask for getting to see two phenomenal actors at the top of their game like truly putting in like award-winning performances. Viola Davis actually won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. Like, it's really like spending yeah. $8 and getting to watch the two of them on Broadway. And like, yeah, sitting front row on Broadway. That's what it felt like. And 
So you can critique it all you want, but I'm saying like for the movie going experience, it was a phenomenally done adaptation of a play. Like they they made you feel like you're sitting there watching a play, but the pacing was still, um, like the pacing was like a play too in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but none of that was like took away from enjoying it in the theaters or enjoying yeah, it a second time. It's the best adaptation of a play into a movie. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable saying this ever been. I guess the caveat would be that I, I I would have to say that I've ever seen. Same, but I I can't imagine that one is better. Same. I was I was rewatching the scene today that all my favorite scene. You know where Viola Davis finally has her moment. I to, also rewatched that today. Yeah, <laughs> and some of the subtle care uh, camera work where they just like slowly pan around their faces, um, and even just the the uh, setting. Like, so much of it is in the backyard or in the house. Mm-hmm. Like, even just the setting that they pulled off and the long scenes, the first, the opening 20 minutes just suck you in with, from their ride home on the... Before the first cut in the movie. Yeah, like, when, <laughs> when they walk home from the garbage truck job and he, they walk to the back of the house and then they go inside the house and his son's asking her for, like, the whole... It, yeah, it's like literally the first 20 minutes. I was like... Less and I were just like sucked in. I don't know. So I, I could go on and on, yeah. but that is my. Uh, I'll just say you proved point. my point, you son of a bitch. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> you are like, welcome. I didn't. It's. Yeah, I'll say that. It's a well adapted play, but that's what it is. It's a play on film. It's not a film to me. But it did come out in theaters, right? It is available as <laughs> I, a movie, right? I, yeah. <laughs> I understand you. But I'm just saying, that. like, okay, so. I'll put it this way, like, the way, like, it, right, it, it's a well-done adaptation of a play into film, the best possible translation of a play into film. Still, it's not better than the play. Like, you're still saying, like, oh, it's like I was at a play. You still want to see that play. No. It, do, now, it's, you want to, let me finish. Yeah, make your point. Um, I'm saying, do you, did you, okay, so even watching Man on Fire on a, like, standard definition DVD in my living room last summer, did you want to see the stage version of Man on Fire? That is apples to oranges. That's what I'm saying. That's a bad argument. As a philosophy person, you should know that when you see that. That's a terrible logic. This is a a flawed argument. Yeah. After just waxing Elkin about Tony Scott being this, like, cut, you know, multiple exposures and and cutting scenes Be- like because you have to ingest uh media of any sort within its context uh you you can't divorce fences from the fact that it is a play brought to film and when you when you don't do that when you accept that it's a play brought to film you realize it's the best play brought to film that anyone's ever seen and yeah everybody would like to see that cast do it live but i would definitely not rather go see a local production of Fences right. than watch right. the movie because then they'll yeah. watch it in Viola Davis. And, and here's the... And uh, here's, the yeah, I, yeah, I would just never want to watch a, a play version of Man on Fire because the script is bad for a play. <laughs> uh, the the counter-argument, I, I don't believe this, but the counter-argument to your argument that if it doesn't work as a play, it's not a good movie is... Oh, I'm not saying that at all. The, I'm just saying the, what... The counter-argument yeah. is if, oh, yeah. I, if I wouldn't want to see Man on Fire as a play, I wouldn't want to see it as all, at all. And that makes yeah. your argument look like. Yeah. Okay. So I'll admit that's a bad argument. <laughs> yeah. And here's the, but here's I'm just the saying, like, what? Uh, here's here's my point. Yeah. To to respond to I think the spirit of your question, yeah. is that 
if I sat down somebody who had never seen a play before or a movie before and had them watch Fences the movie, I don't think there would be any issue. They wouldn't look at me and say, oh, like, yeah. what, what, like, why are they talking so long or anything? I think it's a gripping piece of cinema. Like, that's, that's my response to, I think, the spirit yeah. of your question is that it's not like somebody oh, could yeah, see yeah. and say, and, oh, and this is actually just a play, and they're just filming it. Like, and, they're yeah. filming a movie. And that's a po- as opposed to Chicago, the movie. It's also as opposed to Harry Potter 1 through 7 and 7.2. The, the movies? Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, there's, well. There's a bunch of things that you have to know the source material to be able to watch them on screen. Mm-hmm. Fences isn't one of them. They, they pulled that off. Mm-hmm. Right, it's yeah. Un- yeah. almost unheard of. I don't know. I I think, yeah, we're making a molehill out of like a tiny little quibble because, yeah, I think Fences is a great movie. I enjoyed it very much. But I'm saying, as a movie ass movie, as an exemplar of the medium itself, like, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll probably choose Man on Fire because, like, but that movie, but Man on Fire itself is more self aware of the medium and it's about playing with the medium itself in a lot of ways. And which is to say, like, and I don't know, like, what Fences is trying to do, it, it hits it out of the park, and I think that's the case for both of these of just mm-hmm. saying, like, like Man on Fire is a pure cinematic experience. It, it's also easier to over-criticize Man yeah. on Fire right. because it's, A, because it's less recent, and B, because what it's exemplifying is something that was revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is this sort of, like, long-form, uh, al- almost surrealist, like, we're, we're going to do long, long holes, you know, they're going to fade into each other, you're You're talking about Man on Fire? Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it does that really well. Uh, held up to a modern lens, there's there are spots that suffer where it's uh, too long, too much, too too predictable, too uh, um, not enough attention grabbing, too much attention grabbing. Like it uh, well, but at the same time it's writing the rule book for exactly, the modern yeah, at the, time. At, like at I guess the same time what so, it's doing is Context, motherfucker. Exactly. No, I, I, I think, and what I was going to say, to jump yeah. in, I want to hear your critique more, it's like, I think it, go ahead. Oh, I got it. Oh, this? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, BF, my, my only beer cracking for this recording session, so there we go. There we go. So I think for, I think these two movies are a really great microcosm of yeah. Our different approaches to film up to this point and the podcast especially. Yeah. Me picking fences is very on brand for me. The last three episodes. <laughs> yeah. Fences, um, Moonlight, and yeah. if just we could talk. I went James Baldwin, Barry Jenkins, <laughs> and Denzel Washington. Like, obviously, I'm gonna skew that way, and so yeah. I'm gonna defend it as like a movie, movie, because like right. those are kind of the kind of movies I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, I'm and I'm actually yeah. drawn to. Uh, you know, I'm not saying fences is like. Oh, I know. Like illegitimately a movie. I'm just I like, know. as I know, far as like, you love to nerd out on the all the right, aspects yeah. and how Tony Scott's career arc yeah. and things like that. Yeah. No, and I think it's like it's a phenomenal like. To my knowledge, I don't think Denzel Washington had directed anything. I don't know if he did before. Nothing I heard of. Yeah, and so like, I mean, yeah. that it's the work of professionals all the way around. Around right. like that's like. I'm, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I, I want to cut in here be, because I'm, I'm, I'm clearly very pro fences. I've, I've got a lot of, uh, I've got, I mean, I've got yeah. considerably more beef with Man on Fire than I do with Fences, just as a, as a consumer of art, and that's 
certainly based in my biases. I'm, I'm always going to lean more towards the BS. Well, you're you're an actor. Yeah, you're the, a theater person, the, and like the Fences, is Fences is a is a movie that it. I'll put it this it, way: it it, it, it is it is definitely a movie made by an actor. Yep. Or and Fences. yeah, and mm-hmm. Man on yeah. Fire is a movie made by a director. Yeah, and so you're going to skew more towards right as far as like side. what is. Right, you know, even though again, it is definitely apples and oranges. Like yeah, it's, it is. Uh, it's like as an expression of what film can do, I think Man on Fire is a better example of for a that. director. From right, a director's eye. There's a couple right, things yeah. that I want to extol about Man on Fire. Uh, one of them is uh, Dakota Fanning, the little girl character. Uh, the movie is centered around your ability to sympathize with a six-year-old girl, uh, or what, is that right? Is, is she nine? Yeah, it's kind of ambiguous. Like, the, per, uh, like a precocious uh, seven or something. Uh, like. a, a precocious twenty-one. Like <laughs> that's the, my question. Is Dakota Fanning good? Uh, she's she's a great actor in that. I in think she's used very well in that. And then the other thing would be Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds adaptation. No, terrible. terrible. I love oh, that movie. Ter- I, I hate that movie. <laughs> Where you and I until the see end. that. Oh, <laughs> again. <laughs> That is another discussion, <laughs> but I think it is not divorced from the context in, of this discussion. In this movie, is she good? She's good. She, is she? I think she kills it, and I also think that it was super bold to put so much on a little kid. Yeah. And that, and the movie actually, like... Well, I mean, the, like the, it's weird for me. The, yeah. the, movie, the movie goes in saying, we, we have to get you to like this kid so much that you can buy uh, Denzel Washington, who you're going to like more than the kid, like, giving up his life for yeah right that's the, the thesis of the movie is you have to like this kid so much that you get to him dying for her yeah and i i bought it i yeah. i got that that was what was going on as the movie progressed and i still bought it and i think that part of that is dakota fanning part of that is good writing part of that is good directing i i i also might just be sappy and susceptible but i but is dakota fanning so my here's my thing with dakota fanning she is so good at acting at that age it feels like I'm watching a seven-year-old act as a twenty-one-year-old acting as a seven-year-old, or act as like a yeah, yeah. There is it a little bit like of that. It feels like an adult is playing a kid. It's it's creepy how to yeah, bring, how alive and like in yeah. the moment she is. So all the time. I mean, yeah. just to bring up a weird counterexample, like Taken, which is our new ur text for revenge movies. We have Maggie Maggie Grace, I think her name is. No, nobody knows. But she's yeah. like forty-two, right, and playing like a sixteen-year-old, and it's just the most uncanny fucking thing. Right. Right. Like. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, and I mean, also I, that character is like basically not humanized at all. She is just Liam Neeson's property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the excuse by which he can, you know, murder a bunch of faceless thugs across mm-hmm. France. Fra- uh, faceless uh, foreign thugs, I'll have you know. Yeah. Uh, people of non white races who don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> or at least not Americans. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Uh, Good point. Uh, Dakota no, Fanning. And, uh, Dakota Fanning. Uh, she, in in that moment, she gives, or in, in that movie, she gives Denzel uh, an opportunity to be a coach and, like, this unbelievably sympathetic character, and what they build towards is a, uh, uh, no, I lost it. That's okay. I started so, the sentence thinking that. But, I mean, it's yeah. just like, yeah, well, I mean, cut, right, you cut, have to. Cut everything right. I just said. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, buying into uh, Dakota Fanning's performance and I think I mean that's one of the things that like dates the film I don't think that style of child acting is really 
mm. popular anymore. I've right. never really seen it before. She was kind yeah. of an oddity. She was a yeah. yeah she had a streak. Like I mean, it was uh, yeah. I am Sam with uh, Sean Penn, uh, War of the Worlds, uh, so that, this, and then a few other things. What I wanted yeah. to bring up was the the confidence in the movie as in itself, uh, because you have to fall in love with the the little girl to be able to make it through the movie. You have to accept. Part of it is like so. self-flagellation too. Like, <laughs> it's not about enjoying it at all. Yeah, he's very into that. Uh, he's he's got he's got a weird white Catholic streak, I think. Where you know, I'm, I buy that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but more importantly, like the the way that um, she smarts off, the way that she is written, where you you are meant as a viewer to before you care one way or another about Denzel Washington before you know whether the mother was in on the kidnapping before you know when the father was in on the kidnapping my, my roommate kept popping in and being like oh I bet he kidnapped her just pointing to whatever random <laughs> character was on the screen it was all plausible yeah. Uh, yeah it was all plausible but the um the the sort of baseline is you you like Dakota Fanning you you don't want her to be kidnapped you don't want her to be dead you understand that a person would give up their life to pursue bringing her back and that's that's paramount that it, 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 it's fundamental to your enjoyment of the film yeah. and they actually pull it off and that's what I was talking about about the confidence in the movie not only is it a runtime, which is about 45 minutes to an hour too long <laughs> but yeah but okay. the, I will I mean, say that first hour and 15 is like kind of key to its identity where it is like building I, about that building I, up that relationship my, yeah my, my critique yeah. of that is not is not necessarily valid, but if you're making a movie, like take my critique into account. Yeah. You, you have not earned the confidence to make a two and a half hour movie when nothing happens. But if, I, <laughs> but I like when you do, you'll be able to make Man yeah. on Fire and everybody will. I, right. I don't think that it should be shorter. I'm just saying this is a testament to the confidence in movie making. Right. And this, this bold little girl that would have been very hard to write and impossible to execute without something like Dakota Fanning. Right. Is also something you should not try to put in a movie unless you're really, <laughs> really sure you can pull it off. <laughs> so if you have a time machine and you can take Dakota Fanning <laughs> back to 2006, it might just work. Yeah, there's, there's Millie Bobby Brown. You've, you've still got opportunities, yeah. but they are running out. She's like, and there will never so be I another mean, like another young actor. Another one, like another one is a, a movie Leon with um, John Renault and Natalie Portman. Portman was like 12. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That one gets creepy with it, but yeah. it's like a similar, like building up chemistry between like an older person yeah. and like a younger girl. Um, so, uh, real quick, I want to talk about the other women in these movies. Since we're, yeah. talk, since we're centering Denzel, mm -hmm. we can't talk about Fences without talking about Viola Davis, but I also want to nope. talk about. Caleb's trying to hone in on the win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Oscar for Best Actress. What more can you say? God, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then who's the actress in the main? Oh, the the mom. Yeah, mom, do you remember her name? Rada Mitchell. Yeah. So those two are an interesting contrast in my yeah. perspective too. Cause I watching Man on Fire again kind of felt like 
she it kind of felt like a white woman trope of of like it's intentional that the kidnapping of a white girl is always going to tug at the heartstrings of American mm-hmm. audiences, it's American like, viewers. It's based on the statistics, I'm sure. I bet it's much more risky to be a white girl. In, in oh, interesting, interesting thing. Schools. Sure. Inter- interesting, Wait, uh, which I, interesting I'm, factoid. I'm not agreeing with it. It's, yeah. Interesting factoid. So, Tony Scott originally wanted to direct this back in the 80s. It's based on a novel that came out in like maybe the late 70s or something. Okay. So he wanted to direct it in the 80s. They're like, you haven't, you've done one movie. You don't get to do this. They hand it off to some other guy. They make an adaptation in 1987. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, it's set in Italy. The book is set in Italy during, like, you know, when, like, the mafia was a thing. So, like, when they got to the early 2000s, they're like, hey, we're thinking about adapting this again. Um, Tony, do you want to do you wanna direct this? He's like, yeah. Uh, but can we set it somewhere else? Because, like, kidnapping is not a big thing in Italy anymore. Like, if we wanted to do a straight adaptation, we'd have to make it a period piece. And so then he suggested, oh, Mexico City. A lot of kidnapping going on there, which is not a... Yeah. 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 It's, it's very frustrating trying to sympathize with the sort of, like, waspy mom and waspy daughter. I'm not, yeah, and yeah. I'm not going to go to the depth of, or, you know, the length of saying, like, oh, I don't feel bad for her. I'm just saying, I'm just commenting yeah. on the fact that it's an easy trope to use yeah. the white girl and the white woman as the sympathy card. As the one to tug on your heart, right? Even like especially when they're having like a. Not to say that mothers shouldn't feel, you know. Yeah, I think I mean just because there's so much space in that movie, I think they do play with those tropes a little bit. Like sure, yeah. um, But yeah, it is. uh, They do. I mean, like yeah. yeah. I mean, it would have it would have been. I will say this: like to get that movie put out in America in two thousand four, if you cast a non-white girl, like that movie probably wasn't going to get made in that. No, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. And, and the, the mom uh, is definitely white. She's not going to be a Mexican mom. She's not right. going to be a person of color. So I'm just commenting on that. Right. But, yep, yep. And and I feel like the mom has some agency. Yeah. Like, but it's almost it's almost all encapsulated in this revenge project mm-hmm. that he, she, like, she, it, it's like when violence is justified. It's like, oh, well, the white woman could kill somebody and that'd be okay because she lost her daughter. It's like I'm sure parents sympathize with that feeling mm-hmm. all the time, but it's just interesting how like the white woman gets to be like the the agent of revenge. If you know, I don't know. Yeah, but it's uh, like that. That's just, uh, that's her mode of agency, I guess. I don't, kind of like an interesting like um, theme between the two of them is like uh, sort of uh, selfishness as it applies to adults, especially parents in both of these movies. So like, mm-hmm. there's a there's that moment where Rada Mitchell's like talking to Chrissy she's like yeah for the longest time I only ever thought about myself what I can get and like how like that logic sort of led her into that position and then we find out later that you know the dad Mark Anthony had actually like set the thing up with his lawyer Mm -hmm. and it was all like a staged thing to like Mm -hmm. rip off some insurance money or whatever um which would yeah find it oh yeah uh great scene with the like the bullet that already has the dimple in it that Creasy tried to kill himself with earlier mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he gives to the dad and then bam up um says the bullet never lies the bullet never lies bullet always tells the truth um yeah if you're yeah if if, if you're living in mexico and you're not a mexican native and you translate there because you're undergoing some personal tragedy and you're feeling suicidal uh you should call christopher walken give christopher walken a call <laughs> Christopher Walken is there for you. He is the 
he's he's up watching TV. He's not perturbed. He's not. You you can call him on his cell phone. He he doesn't mind. He's he's not asking you to you know call him back at a reasonable hour. He he you might have woken up his wife. She's understanding. They have a really good relationship. He's they're both cool. If if you're in trouble, it's really important that you reach out to Christopher Walken. He's uh, a good guy. He's just a he's a resource that is largely untapped, and it's almost surprising because you you take a look at like uh, I was I was stuck on a bus from the airport with Keanu Reeves for forty hours, and he kind of like led the led the charge for everybody to be able to you know communicate and, and talk to the customer service agents, and he made everything run really smoothly, and we took a bunch of selfies with it. Christopher Walken is like that, but into media. So if you if you have a movie idea or if you like really if you got like a business idea that hasn't taken off yet because it's not very good, but you really think that it could work anyway, even though it's not a good business idea, you should talk to Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, we know you're listening. If you wouldn't mind just <laughs> tweeting us your phone number, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of people who are trying to market like vegan bacon and like. Mm-hmm. Uh, do- dog food for assholes and uh, <laughs> uh, high on piss and you guys remember Kim from high on piss the did you say dog food for assholes <laughs> and Chris we know did you're you out there we know you dog food we know you're, know you're in an investing like, mood is it for we like people who are assholes or is it dog food to like <laughs> shove up assholes and I think I have so many questions. You guys remember the business I am, Chris. Chris, we 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 could just really use your money, and we think that a lot of our viewers could use could use it too. And this is just sponsored by. Odd Splice, brought to you by Hi, I'm Piss. So yeah, that that theme of selfishness, uh, and then like going back to like you know Troy Maxson who. Mm-hmm. has this self-concept of like oh i'm always giving and giving and giving mm-hmm. and then like oh uh and then having that that dalliance with that other woman and eventually conceiving a child like all mm-hmm. off screen which is a brilliant move honestly yeah yeah uh and then like probably getting into that but, scene with but also even even the sympathy that, that that evokes which is you're you're not wrong you're you're evoking the the phrase even from the movie but that dalliance with the other one the time he cheated on right. his wife. Had an affair. Yeah. Right, yeah. I, and I, fell in love. Yeah. Like, literally wasn't and, willing and to give up a relationship. Sired a baby on her. Right. Mm-hmm. But, um, but what were you going to say, Jack? Yeah, or even that, or even, like, uh, the, uh, I don't, just kind of bringing up the theme to riff on for a second. Like, uh, yeah. how, um, right, the, uh, you know, the pressures of parenthood are kind of at the center of both of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one is, you know, like, one is obviously is concerned with a poor black family in Philadelphia in the 50s, and the other is with a... And the other is Fences. What? Same state. Same state. Pennsylvania. I know. Then of course a, a wealthy you know factory owning family in uh, mm-hmm. in Mexico City, um, and and Creasy takes on a lot of the fatherhood pressure. There's yeah. a lot of trend. I think a well, lot yeah, of yeah. similarities. Right, between the, the not like at the swimming competition with the nun couple. Yep. Like, Today you are her father. Yeah, that yeah. really does. I think translate to Denzel's character in Fences. 
But I wanted to come back to Viola. Okay, talk yes, about Viola. We can't talk about Denzel and not bring up Viola Davis in this film. So, as I remember it, even just having watched it three weeks ago, now it's getting a little, or two weeks ago, mm-hmm. maybe just a couple times last. Whenever I saw it, it's like, I'm trying to remember how much Viola is really, Rose as a character, is really present or, or like, she's in a lot of the early scenes, but as I remember, yeah, it's it's a lot of Denzel talking, it's a lot of his sons talking, or even uh, Bobo, his best friend, Bobo, right? That's what he calls him? Bono. Bono. Bono, there it is, by, uh, played by the brilliant Stephen McKinley Henderson. The brilliant Stephen McKinley. He's good. He's so good. So good in that. Everybody's firing on all cylinders in that movie. They're so present. (laughs) They're so present. Isn't that right, Bono? Bono, tell you. Bono, tell you. Dude, that's that's one of the. I'm sorry to interrupt you too much, but it's just it's a treasure to be an actor in that world and be able to like do something you could be as passionate about as Mm -hmm. fucking Fences. Yeah. Like somebody gives you that call and you're like, oh, God, I, I would. I would kill a man for this role. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all, that whole cast, even Corey's played by, I don't know how to say his name, I believe, Jovan or Hovan Adepo. Lions is played by Russell Hornsby. They just, all, yeah. all the Kelsey Williamson is Gabe. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so yeah. just a packed cast and they're all firing and they're all, but um, the film turns when. Yeah, you, you start to feel it builds with the affair, with Bono kind of calling him out and, and pushing him and prodding Troy to, to own up to it, to be a little bit more honest about what's really going on in his life. And that's part of the, that's part of the whole subplot of the film is, is really, or really what drives it forward is what's going on with Troy and what is he suppressing, what's he not dealing with, how is he dealing with his, his past and stuff. Mm. But it's such a moment when he says, with, you know, this is just the way it is. There's another woman. Mm-hmm. We're we're gonna. I'm not just gonna paraphrase it, but like the woman I have a baby, we're we're gonna have to find a way to make this part of our life now. Yeah. And I, the camera pans over to Viola Davis. <laughs> that, so that's when it really turns is when they have that fight in the backyard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really, you know, the best scene in the film. It, it makes her case for best actress. Like. But um, then it really becomes almost about her in a lot of ways because then uh, when she comes to terms with it, she says, "She says the child will have a mother, but you're a womanless man." And like she, what what was like a subdued kind of secondary, tertiary character who's just you know bouncing off of everything Troy's saying and doing in his life. She becomes this central figure. She takes the power back. In yeah, the moment, and she does it. She she takes the the power back via sacrifice. But she, but she also never gave up power. I think her her fight that that speech she gives, or maybe she does. But it's like she willingly was I, like committed. He he took power from her whether she wanted to or not. Sure. He, sure. And and she gives that speech as like a I'm not going down without a fight. And then you think that the fight is going to go one way and it doesn't she 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 wins the fight by sacrificing she she will raise the child but she won't raise the man mm-hmm. you're a womanless man yeah 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 so i just wanted 
to give that feel. I you know. Yeah. I just can't talk about fences without yeah. talking about Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to spoil that scene for people if they're listening who haven't seen it all. I mean, so much of it is it, it is in the performance. I don't think like. Yeah. Spoiling really comes into it. But even I don't even want to spoil everything she says, like because right. that yeah, really is the it. that is yeah. the climax of the film. Mm-hmm. But uh, oftentimes, and this, I'm I'm phrasing this like I'm going into a joke, and I'm not. But oftentimes, if you're if you're confused as to where to go in a moral conflict, and one of your options is to raise a parentless child, you you will win the moral conflict by raising. I mean, that's what John Creasy does. Like, he steps into the uh, yeah. the parent yeah. role, and she's, like, basically forsaken by her real parents. And he's Especially the only Especially her real father. Right. God, yeah. I mean, then mm-hmm. the, like, uh, right, that, that scene where he comes back from the hospital and he's, like, going through things and finds the notebook, and she's like, what are you going to do? Do what I do best. I'm going to find him. I'm going to kill him. Anyone who profited, anybody who was involved. <laughs> anybody who looks at me. <laughs> anybody who looks at me. Yep. Bow, bow. Bam, bow. Yep. <laughs> Greasy. Some, some artist, a princess, or whatever. Any man uh, can be an artist. Uh, foo, whatever. Foo, Depends on if he's any good or not. Greasy. Greasy. Chrissy's art is death. Is death. Chrissy's art is death. He's about the famous masterpiece. <laughs> in blood. He doesn't say that. In in the blood. <laughs> in the blood. Is that your best Christopher Walken impersonation? I'm a Madonna Chrissy. <laughs> I'm about to paint the blood. Have you ever seen Christopher Walken? <laughs> I love the dancing and the minestrone. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh no, he does a more cowboy too. How does he? What's he sound like in that one? Uh, I I got the fever, and the only a prescription is the more minestrone. Motherfucker loves soup. More like. Talk some like masculinity in these movies, maybe mostly the. Uh, yeah, do it. Let me hear. Yeah. Um, so I really think like the the in in fences, the key to Troy Maxson's character is, uh, you know that that story about his own dad, you know, and then actually going into like a lot of his personal history, like because there's always all that uh, you know, conflict with Corey about like borrowing ten dollars and shit, and like yeah, know, Corey bringing up, oh, you you were never around, and then like. For whatever reason, this is the first time that Corey ever hears that whole mm-hmm. story about how, like, Did uh, you that last yeah, okay, where, uh, right, he's talking to, yeah, Troy is talking about his own dad, who is just like, you know, a mean son of a bitch who eat two chickens and only leave you, leave you the wing, you know, like, 
and very selfish. Like, and, and then the worst part. Oh God, yeah, where you, yeah, like a fourteen-year-old Troy is like, you know, fooling around with the neighbor girl and gets chased off by his dad, and then realizes his dad's not tr- mad at him, but trying to get a get on that girl, and then he like <laughs> says, "That's the moment I became a man. I was no longer scared of my father." <laughs> and mm-hmm. like squares up with his own dad and starts whipping him with the and that's that's the hero's journey that i think i've i uh, attempted to espouse philosophical in like our first episode but the there's a the the masculine ideal of the hero's journey is one where you come to terms with the reality that your father is a man or this happens also in the first chapter of dune which we were talking about earlier uh disgustingly real mindsets that, that you can imagine. I mean, it's a it's a tragic story yeah. to, to hear Troy sit there and tell that story to his own son and his best friend who who knows if Bono had heard that in in entirety before, maybe he's heard pieces, maybe he's picked up things here and there from yeah. things Troy let slip, but like to hear Troy going down memory lane of a dad who wasn't loving, wasn't kind, and honestly uh, just like a like a sexual predator who showed his true colors and like that's why Troy eventually left and fled at yeah. fi- 14 or 15 yeah. and for his own son to say damn pop like that's really hard to go like for his own son to say like right, I can't just, imagine being on your own yeah, at 14 the, right even that like disbelief of like you gotta feed your kids everybody feeds their kids right and, and so like, it's like you believe it like <laughs> yeah, and Troy's dad did not feed his kids yeah <laughs> And so that's where I wanted to go, Josh, with that was like thinking about it in terms of masculinity, but in the way that August Wilson writes this play, and again, this is very on brand for me coming from talking about Moonlight and if Beale Street could talk, but like it's like this black man in the 50s who is very, it's very clear in the film, there are very few economic options, and he feels like he won the lottery or he uses baseball terms of. He yeah. had two strikes. He was uh, born yeah. with two strikes and somehow bunted when he got a good wife and a good, uh, decent job. Like, literally, right. those and two even things. And uh, the windfall from his brother's war injury, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like, in that, I think it's that conflict of, like, he has, he's this self-styled, like, self-made man, but he's just so acutely aware that what little he has in this world is so, like, based on luck. Yeah, and yeah. he just he can't handle that. It's like and the luck of his brother's injury and the precariousness of his job. Yeah. He, he, um, it, 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 he's such a transitional piece from his, his father who is somebody who wouldn't share food with his children to, like, if you, if you look at it as a, a, a spectrum, he's so much better than his father. Right, But if yeah, you don't look at it as a spectrum, he's still a fucking monster. Terrible. Yeah terrible dad but it's, it's like yeah. a both and that right, yeah. and right so beautifully incredible spectrum it's that right, he is yeah. both a monster who cheated on his wife but who is right. a piece of shit who, who but he was still trying this this feeling of I, i'm wh- what do i not have that i have to have but mm-hmm. didn't inherit but or, or sort of luck 
dad I've inherited this feeling of I have to have everything. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, I mean, and then like, like recognizing that his own father was a monster and like trying to be better mm-hmm. than that, but still like still it's, falling short. You it, know, it's painful watching him put in but like, it's so, so much effort. And, right. I mean, it, it's fucking everybody over so badly. Right. Even, but it's yeah. like, but it's it's all, <laughs> it's all encapsulated so beautifully in that in his final scene. Right. That that fight with uh, his son. His son. Yeah. Uh, you know where like. You know, if if he had totally lost control, he would have just beat that kid to death right there. But it's like, yeah, even and then it's just like it's even it's it's even still encapsulated in the Viola Davis scene of yeah, up until this point, you you can kind of see both sides, and then one other person finally weighs in with, "Don't you understand what a toll your life has taken on mine?" Right, and we talk about how much you give, Troy. Right, you you can think about how you take. take. Yeah, it just it just calls it it just makes him. It doesn't make him the villain he's always yeah. been. It, it it just makes you realize that you've been the villain too. And it's by yeah. forgiving him so much. And it's uh, who who makes who be the uh, Troy. The oh right. You you just realize that there is so much more at stake than just this one person's uh, lifestyle and happiness and wants. But, that goes on. but I think the play and I think August Wilson's writing makes us hold both and not I don't like the one to say that a viewer is a villain for sympathizing because August Wilson is showing a shitty human being who's complex oh. and who lives in a system that he's a black man in the 50s who understands that his job could be taken away from him at any time he's adamant about willing to pay more at a store where he's treated okay mm-hmm. and he's not treated like dirt like it's so clear the racism and the institutional racism and like the lack of economic opportunities available and like the the luck that he happened to get into to get a home and he's also doing all these things and he's carrying like the trauma of his dad and like the tragedy of like I'll, I'll, I'll 100% concede that yeah uh, like I'm it's just I, yeah I'm, it's I'm just so much from a, uh, just sympathizing with Viola Davis playing him you're right it's a I see what you're saying yeah, yeah no but the, the wonder of the movie is that it's it's a heavily nuanced villain, lovely mm-hmm. nuanced script of a movie. Yeah, maybe I'm coming in too strong from like I don't think so. I, three I, white guys who are like sitting here no, talking I, about. I think that we yeah. should be checked all the time on, right, on yeah. this idea that you know we're we're trying to cast judgment on these characters in this movie where, uh, and it's like he should be held accountable for the shit he's done. I you know? know, right? I mean, it doesn't excuse it, but like right. I mean, it is still saying like. But he put but, it perfectly as, like, I was born with two strikes against me, and it's like his whole life has just borne that and, out. And, yeah. and, and it's not as though that's interpolation on anybody's part. That's exactly what the movie's about, is yeah. th- this man who is made a monster by the system that is pitted against him. And then Vi- But then I love also what Viola Davis says. She's like, we're not talking about baseball, Troy. And she's yeah. like, she's like, like, get the fuck... <laughs> get those analogies the fuck out of here like we're talking about life and she's like I stayed by your side but like you gotta just wonder what men can know other men right <laughs> she's like I get it you were born with two strikes like she's like what do you think I was born with yeah. like right and yeah. she's like and I got stuck with you right. <laughs> she's like you think it took me 18 years to realize that this dirt wasn't gonna uh, grow uh, anything yeah <laughs> she's like uh, that's one of the 
one of the best things that's ever been said. You think it took me 18 years? She probably knew after six she months. Immediately. <laughs> so, uh, cut before we before we start trying to start chuck chuck some simil- yeah. I uh, just want to touch on like Man on Fire's portrayal of masculinity yeah. again. Like, uh, I think getting you know getting back to what was said up top, like. Uh, Creasy is a man who is very aware of his shortcomings and is mm-hmm. willing to atone for them, um, mm-hmm. in a very real like, right? You know, to, you know, uh, giving ultimately giving a life for a life at at the end of it, and realizing through the, all the webs of deceptions that his uh, his actions were not good <laughs> and were really for nothing, like. You know, we, we reach, like, that halfway point in the film. We all think Lupita's dead. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're like, fuck him up, Denzel. Mm-hmm. Fuck him up. And then he fucks him up for the next hour and a half. Only to find out, nope, Lupita's still alive. There's an interesting <laughs> thing there where, like, almost all of the violence in that movie is in a, a sort of, like, dreamscape. Like, it's, yeah. it's never taken. It's never... You, you can't ever marvel at the way that the violence is executed. You only have to marvel at the nature of the violence. When you're doing that, you realize that it's actually not very cool to marvel at the nature of violence. I mean, it's still, like, in its detachment, it it's yeah. still, like, ugly. Like, I mean, there's, yeah. like, even that first scene with the guy in the car where he's cutting the fingers off, like, when he finally, like, just shoots the guy, there's just, you just real oh, it's just over like that. It's almost, a car explodes yeah, it's, like it's almost really oh what is he gross. right he's like what okay so he has a couple clues to get to the next guy but like you, you don't feel really satisfied with it you're kind of mm-hmm. shocked that this guy you've been sympathizing with and you know like falling in love with for the previous hour and a half is like oh so he's cutting dude's fingers off in a car like and you know, like, it, there's even that hard cut to where the guy's, like, stripped down. It's like, oh, what other shit has he been doing to that dude? Because he's just, like, covered in blood and all these other wounds and so, with his hands yeah. duct taped to the steering wheel. There's an interesting thing there where the movie opens with the kidnapping statistics and we're aware of about kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. So that you know what the movie's about, Yeah. which is kind of important because I don't know if I could have hung with the movie for an hour and a half before it actually started. Because that, that opening sequence only redeemed by the actors and otherwise yep. and by opening sequence I mean the first hour and a half of the movie right <laughs> with, if it were if it were a B movie with B actors I, I couldn't have made it 20 minutes in the the only yeah. way that you can make it through that movie is is Denzel Washington and Chris Pan and people mm-hmm. who are just and I'll give Josh to Josh's point too it's directed really well it's, it, it's not it's a great movie like I, I'm still picturing like the scene where he's practicing catching the bullet right out of it just gun. cuts in real fast and you see the bullet like bounce off his palm <laughs> yeah and, and like, then like <laughs> slowly close like uh, two seconds later right yeah and it's like those kinds of like cuts and double exposures and stuff are yeah just, doing yeah, a lot just get, yeah like yeah just several scenes where you're just getting in creasy's head like like man we haven't even really like talked about like the suicide scene where he um yeah like uh that's pretty early in too right yeah i mean it's like that's like 20 minutes in and it's like just like his night off or whatever he's just drinking and like Mm -hmm. emoting at the camera and it's just like this audio collage of all this oh thank god we'll forgive us for what we've done and like Mm -hmm. then yeah i would i would say this movie wants a a very um 
maybe the thinnest line I've ever seen between confident and indulgent. And you kind of have to pick which side that you feel it ends up on. I, I actually am on the confident side. I think oh, yeah. everybody should like, look at this movie as, oh, as a case study of how to be really secure in the movie you're making. Because you, if you can make a movie this bold where you're willing to waste 20 minutes of the audience time and then just trust them to thank you for it, which I kind of ended up doing. Yeah. <laughs> the, then, then you can make a movie like that. It's, it's the furtiveness that will kill art way before the, the overindulgence will if you're a really good artist. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're at the making a movie level of art, you, you'll be better served by learning from this movie really can just trust itself. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I'll have to show you guys Domino's. Did we watch Domino at all? Yeah, no, okay. No. I haven't. Okay. So that's a movie he made after this, and I think, like, it, it's, like, just the Ne plus ultra of uh, this, uh, you know, that style, because it is, like, yeah. where, this, where, where Man on Fire is punctuated by those sort of, like, dreamlike double exposure flipper, flickering stuff. The entire runtime of Domino is just that, but it works because it's all about like a memory of a memory and it might not be true and but it's kind of based on real life anyway domino rules sorry that was a sidebar but you but i i think but just to say like yeah Yeah, i guess putting a cap around sort of that like masculinity destruction i mean these are both movies concerned with flawed men who are trying to get better in the abstract um Ben says leaves that like open to interpretation by the people who survive Troy Maxon and mm-hmm. uh, yeah Creasy just straight up trades his life for another human beings um, yeah in the end Creasy's is a a tighter narrative yeah that we don't get him until pretty late in his life yeah he's already experienced quite a bit that we don't really get any clear idea of besides him being an assassin. And then we get this kind of like hero journey and sort of self-sacrificial thing, whereas uh, Troy Maxon, Troy Maxon, yeah, 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 we get a lot. We get more nuance of his his father's backstory. Um, his like we get kind of a, a bigger snapshot, I'd say. And then again, we get the aftermath too of what his immediate family are dealing with. So yeah, but two interesting flawed men and uh trying yeah. to trying to make good and in, in their own version of good in a fucked up world both good denzel so do you have any like uh clincher questions that'll like sort of decide the contest uh no i i think i've i've got my ruling um i think i know what it is and i'm not happy about it <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, so, you guys seen Widows yet? No, not yet. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pick that up and we'll have a Widows movie night sometime. And here's the thing, I think that um, Denzel, I, I actually think that Denzel's performance in Fences is better than Fifty Men on Fire. I oh. also think that that's to be expected, you know, to be like 15 years after, but you know, he's, he's just a more seasoned actor. And um, has more room to breathe in that, I that, think. That said, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's like... I think that Men yeah. on Fire is at a significant disadvantage because it's sort of a bridge between good Denzel and good Denzel. So I'm going to hand out but has such a killer premise that I love it so, so much. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, alongside Caleb's uh, uh, archive of wins thus far, he may also add the, uh, the, the some, some sort of medal of, some sort of violent medal of Viola Valor to the same. Thank little, you very much. Little, little, little badge on there that's like, man, Viola Davis is really, really good at everything. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, fences one, like I, like I knew going in, like I knew. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. This is a really good one, I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I think so. <laughs>
Josh, how are our levels? <laughs> levels are good, man. <laughs> 